Welcome to the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fings. And we're back. Episode 107 and this two-year anniversary of the podcast. Yeah, man. Two years in this shit, man. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, but before we get into that, man, first off, happy Easter. Um, we're doing this podcast on Sunday, which is Easter Sunday. I know the, circumsta- the circumstances are kind of fucked up, but uh, yeah, it's Easter. So uh, are you guys uh, looking for eggs? What are you guys mm-hmm. doing? What Look. came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, pussy. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. No, nah, man. Uh, this is the circumstances. Uh, obviously, this year are a little different um, for Easter. You know, a lot still doing the social distance thing, still doing the quarantine. Um, but trying some to, of us, yeah, some of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in that time frame, I mean, well, in this. In this current landscape, we're just trying to find as much uh, normalcy, I guess, as we can. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it really it sucks, man. Um, but happy Easter, I guess. Yeah, happy Resurrection Day. Yeah, man. Uh, moving right along. Um, being as this is our second year anniversary, it's just awesome how, you know, over time you get the incremental rewards. Like we started off. From episode one, then we got the 50th episode anniversary. Then the next one was the one year anniversary. Then the next one was the 100 episode anniversary, like not anniversary, but 100 episode celebrated that. Mm-hmm. Now we're doing the two year anniversary. And for two years, we brought you content every week. Now, yeah. And I think that says a lot, man. It says a lot about the guy sitting across from me. Um, it says a lot about what we're doing. I appreciate it. I don't like to pat myself on the back for much, yeah. but I definitely want to do it this time. Eddie, you are amazing. <laughs> there you go. You are a handsome black man, and <laughs> you are highly favored. Sometimes you got to give yourself your flowers while you're here. Yeah, you know, they always say, like, give people their flowers, man. Give yourself your flowers, man. Right. You got to look in that mirror sometimes and be like, yo, you that nigga, bro. Yeah. You are that nigga. <laughs> 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 yeah, That's man. That's for real. It's, it's been one hell of a journey, and this is the very beginning of it. So for all of you who happen to give a shit about the podcast and listen, and a lot of you guys repost it and share it and inbox us and tell us stuff. It means a lot. It means a lot based on the fact that we're not trying to force you to do anything. We just put the content out, yeah. and that's it. Yes, sir. We put the content out, and that's it. It's If we get responses from you guys, it's 100% unsolicited. You know the yeah. motherfuckers I can't stand? I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, Keith. I know you're going to say something. No, I'm just I'm rocking with you. Yeah, the say. motherfuckers that I can't stand are the people that tag... They tag uh, 170 people in a, <laughs> in a post and be like, yo, check out my new song. Yeah. I'll be like, nigga, I don't want to listen to it no more. <laughs> this That's is harassment, right. dude. Yeah. And then all the those uh, notifications pop up and then you get every 170 notifications just because this guy's song. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, come on, man. That's that's You're soliciting the content at that point. Yes. Yes. I'm not with that. Yeah. I think... Um, for me, I just think it's super cool. Like, I guess the way I think about it is the more and more we do these episodes every single week um, and going on two years and we're going to keep going. Obviously, we're going to drop next week and in the week after that. Right. The less and less I can relate to people that aren't doing things. Oh, my God. Because a lot of people out here with ideas and, you know, I want to start this. I want to start that. I want to start a podcast. Um, right. I just had the other day um, somebody was talking to me and it was just an idea for them they were saying like yo i know you you guys are doing your podcast i was trying to see exactly what i needed 
Um, so you hear these things, you know, pretty much, you know, a few times out the out the month for us at least. And the the more and more I hear it, the more and more you can tell by certain people's tone or certain people's right. um, behavior or how consistent they are. And I can tell you if they're actually going to follow through with certain things or if it's 100%. just all talk. Um, and there's certain people, even people that I'm related to and close to and are, that are my friends and stuff like that. Right. I just know they, they don't have the stick to to actually accomplish a lot of things that they that they want to do right. and for us it's so it's easy for you to get up and go to work right because there's a check at the end of there you, you know, go every two weeks or at the end of every week um and there's you know there's there's a monetary gain out of that but right. it's very difficult for you to put um consistent work in on something that you know is may not be rewarding until four or five years down right the line. preach yeah. keith preach yeah so for me and Eddie, you know what I mean? We are uh people that talk. Um I we we don't talk much even though we talk about 2 hours on every podcast. Right. But we don't talk much talk much about what we're going to do. Even with the first podcast right. when we dropped it, it was just like, "Yo, let's link up, let's do this." And then we just put it out. It was like, "Hey, like listen to our podcast type stuff." That's it. But it was never like, "Hey guys, we're going to drop a podcast in 2 weeks. Be on the lookout and doing all this grand uh, yeah. promotion for it. You yeah. know, we just did the work. And and I think that's the way that um, things are moving anyways. You right. know what I mean? Childish Gambino dropped his album just randomly. You know, Beyonce, she does it all the time. And, and a bunch of other artists, they just... That that's the new the new model. The, like the drop surprise it. album or drop... Yeah, you drop it and then the conversations that people have is going to be your promotion. Right. You, know, you don't have to do these... Uh, these this uh radio run or whatever. Yeah. Um, your work will speak for itself. Just drop so. your shit. Yeah, yeah. I think that the the word of mouth is stronger than anything. You'd be like, yo, this. You hear about this artist from Bakersfield, man? He dope, man. Listen to this. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. And then they listen. Then they tell a friend. Then their friend tells a friend. Then their yeah. friend tells a friend. And before you know it, they're like, yo, that's that dude. You yeah. know. But that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Like yeah. you don't need to have this big fucking production. Like it, there's no point. It's like, very difficult for people to. If you just imagine, look at look at it like this. If you told um, your friend a secret and he was like, "Yo, don't ever tell nobody what I'm about to tell you right now," I chances are they're going to say something to yeah. the next person, or they're going right. to say something to their friend, or their girlfriend, or who, at least right. one person. Right. So that the same thing goes for you know podcasts and, and music and any sort of thing in that entertainment realm. Um, people like to relate on that kind of level. So right. they like to share things. That's why the sharing button was invented because right. they knew that um, whenever you get on SoundCloud, whenever you get on Apple Music and Spotify or whatever, like Eddie be sharing me links all the time yep. to different songs and stuff. He'd be checking out while he on the road and, and vice versa. I'll shoot, um, shoot him, you know, a YouTube video or whatever. And that's just the way we communicate as people. So, um, like I said before, there's no need for this, you know, this grandiose, you know, tagging 150 people in much. a Facebook post. You don't need all of that. Just drop your thing. Um, you probably have a thousand, uh, 1500 friends or something like that. And if your stuff is dope, people going to click on it and people yeah. going to rock with it. Yeah, 100 percent. I just I never want to be that person to be that. There, there's a lot of people, a lot of artists that will drop a snippet of a song and like and just end it in like ten seconds, mm-hmm. and it's like song coming out next Friday. You'd be like, "Yo, just put the fucking song out." Yeah, like you're not Drake, you're not Future. 
You know, you don't. Nobody is waiting on your shit. Just yeah. put your shit out, and if they like it, they like it. Yes, sir. I think that what happens is is too many people watch what's what's good for other people or what has worked for them, and they try to replicate that, and that's how you fall on your face. Yes. Uh, originality will get you further than being a carbon copy of whoever the mm-hmm. fuck you've been looking at. That's mm-hmm. that's what I don't agree with, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it it feels good to know that. I'm not making excuses. Not to mention, not only is it Easter and most people are like, I'm already stuck in the house. I might as well be with my family. You know, and people didn't come. Keith still showed up. We still doing a podcast. Not to mention, also, viewership for podcasts is down based on how most people consume podcast content. Most podcasts are listened to like people going to work yeah, or being commuting. commuting or being at work. So viewership across the board for podcasts or listening ship, excuse me. It's down. That me, me and Keeks to say something like, "Yeah, it's down right now." Like once the economy and everything comes back, we could get back to the podcast later. Yeah. Why? Why would you quit? Yeah. Like we got a. I mean, we got good momentum, man. The numbers mm-hmm. are doing great. We almost got fifteen thousand listens. Like, I mean, come on, man. I don't it, even. That sounds crazy. Yeah. To even say fifteen thousand people listening to me talk. Dude, I'm not some popular motherfucker. I'm 35 mm-hmm. and I'm a truck driver. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the most. That's like the recipe for the most uninteresting person ever, right? Yeah. So you get <laughs> Yeah. I like I don't I'm not some super popular dude. Yeah. And then Keith is like a low low profile guy, you know. Yeah. People know him. He's pretty popular for what he does, like in the creative space. Yeah. But besides that, Keith ain't out here throwing house parties, trying to hang out. With <laughs> so you got two normal guys with a regular podcast in Bakersfield. Yeah. And a lot of people like it. I think that's cool. I, I I like the fact that people like me. It feels good. Yeah. I mean, I can't stress this enough, man. If you really want to do something, just do it. Right. I, right. You know, like I said before, the more and more I hear people talk about, hey, I have this idea, I have this, I have that. Um, I'm gonna help you out on a certain level. I'm a I'm a either you know give you enough gems to for you to do it on your own. Or I may lend a, he- a hand and try to offer you my skills and services. But other than that, like, you just got to do it. Yeah. You know it. There's no other excuse. Um, there's no, you know, you don't need no pep talk. You don't need your favorite basketball player to die. Yeah. You don't need your favorite rapper right. to die. Just get up and get off your butt and do it. Right. You know what? I got I to gotta mention this. There was a post going around. I've been seeing people reshare it. And it's basically a girl. She's like, uh, everybody talking about because of this quarantine that you 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 should be developing a new skill. I don't need to develop a new skill. It's already bad enough that I'm locked in the house, right? Mm-hmm. Let me be very clear. That type of attitude won't get you across the fucking street. Yeah. It won't. I've mentioned on the podcast, I think it was last week or the week before. I can't remember. But it's basically like you're forced to find a new skill in these times. A lot of things that are considered non-essential were essential to us, such as barbers. So if you yeah. can't go to a barber, guess who has to learn how to cut their hair? You. Yeah. If you're a person that doesn't have enough passive income to go eat out at a fast food restaurant every day, guess who has to learn how to cook at home? You. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to pick up something new. So what I'm basically saying is this. Don't sit on your hands, man. Mm-hmm. Pick up something, learn something, and make the best of it. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. Yeah. That's a, st- I can't believe anybody would say that. Because motherfuckers are lazy and they just want to justify their laziness. Yeah. These are the same motherfuckers that complain about their job, but they did nothing the whole time we was in quarantine. You could develop some type of fucking skill. You know how many people who have approached me? I'm not throwing anybody specifically under the bus. 
You know how many people have approached me about truck driving? Hey, man, I'm thinking about getting my license. I'm like, okay, well, just just keep in contact with me and let me know what's going on. I got buddies that hit me up. I talk to them. They ask me questions. And the people that ask me questions, I know they're serious about it. The other ones, I see them four months later. Oh, I still ain't did that yet, but I'm still thinking about it. I'm mm-hmm. like, man, you're playing yourself right now. Yeah. You're playing yourself because right now we're at a time where the essential jobs, one of them is truck driving. And I'm thankful to still be working. Yeah. But there's a lot of people not working and they complaining like, man, I still ain't got my check from uh, Donald Trump yet. Mm-hmm. Well, look here, dude. Uh, yeah. Over two, three years ago, you told you asked me about trucking. I tried to help you and it didn't work. And now you're like, man, that's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, dude, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. What yeah. are you doing, man? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like... Uh, I guess the the one percent is the one percent for a reason. You know these mm. these people uh, that are extremely successful. They're CEOs. They're millionaires. They're you know six. They earn in six figures each year. Right. These people set themselves apart for a reason, and a lot of it is simply by just doing stuff. Like True. Nike put it best: just do it. You know, just yeah. get up and. If you if you uh if you want a D one scholarship, just get up and grind. Get up and hit the gym. Get up and uh, hit the field. If you want to start a podcast, do your research and make sure you're showing up every single week. Yeah, just with do energy it. and you know knowledge about what you're talking about. Yeah, um, just, just do it, man. Like yeah. Nike says, just do it. Just hit yeah. it from the back, man. Yes, I'm sorry. I do not oh, speak uh, English. Okay. Like you, you hit the wrong button. Yes, yes. Cat <laughs> dog. Yes, sir. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Wrong one. That's the one I meant to press. I pressed the fucking Apu button from the, from the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, switching gears. Um, I don't know how often I'm going to do this segment, but I'm only going to do this segment when my when it's really on my heart to do it. Okay. And this segment of the podcast is called Moron at the Moment. <laughs> and the moron at the moment is these uh, victims that were shot. Now, here's the thing. I know this sounds really insensitive, but all the people that had got shot at this party, they all are going to have non-fatal injuries and they're going to recover. So I'm about to go in. Uh, the story is basically deputies found six victims, including a girl, at the scene of a large private gathering on the 3500 block of Pioneer Drive, according to the Kern County Sheriff's Office, adult victims of the shooting included four women and a man. Paramedics took the victims to a local hospital where they were treated for injuries that were not life-threatening, authorities said. The, sus- the suspects remain at large. They are described as four men driving a white sedan. Okay. Here's my problem, right? The people that were at this party that were actively in it. Now, I don't know if these people that got shot were actively partying. Maybe one or two of them wasn't. But here's my problem. If you are actively partying during a quarantine situation, this is the time where we're trying to preserve the lives of people and we're trying to stop the spread of a virus. And you disregarded everybody's life so you could party with a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. So guess what? Guess what I can say about you? You deserve to get shot. Okay? <laughs> you deserve to fucking get shot. Because you went and you went and disregarded every you disregarded somebody's grandma. You disregarded somebody with underlying health conditions. You disregarded somebody's child that can die from this. And you didn't care. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with my dad. I told him, hey, they deserve to get shot. My dad said, Don't say that, son. Don't ever say that. I was like, Yes, I can. 
because they didn't give a shit about everybody with underlying health conditions. They didn't care about nobody that could be susceptible to getting the virus. No, they didn't care. They had to party. See, people are going stir crazy. I I mentioned like three weeks ago that this quarantine situation is cute, but some people cannot exist without the outside world. So everything, most things are closed down. So like, fuck this. I got a party, man. I got a party. And that's what people do. They don't have without the outside world and all these influences. They don't have much going on. They're forced to look in the mirror and see every day that they ain't shit. Mm -hmm. Right. So now. Here you go. Hit your buddies up. Let's have a party. And you get shot. You deserved it. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. here's the thing. We we can't say that the person at large is a gang member. We don't know that. What if, I'm saying this hypothetically, <laughs> what if the person that shot them was a concerned citizen? Right? Imagine a guy around the corner, right? Imagine a guy that probably served in like Desert Storm, you know, uh, older white guy, probably late 40s, 50 years old, whatever. He comes around. He's got his little war veteran hat mm-hmm. on and a robe. <laughs> he knocks on the door. He's like, hey, uh, I was coming by because it's a little bit loud and you got a lot of people in there. Mm-hmm. Get out of here, white boy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I try to do it the nice way. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> you have 95 rounds oh yeah 94 rounds and the thing about it too is the person either was intentionally trying to miss or they were amateurs they found 94 casings 94 yeah that means he was like so whoever was doing it either was so good that they could purposely miss all those people or it was a fucking amateur i don't know yeah but yeah, man. Um, honestly, if you throw a party during a time like this, you get what's coming to you, dude. Yeah, I can't feel bad for you getting shot. I feel bad for the motherfuckers dying from coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, you just spreading a virus. Yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous, man. Mm-hmm. These are the same motherfuckers. Hey, yo, some, oh god, these are probably the same people that will put a mask on their face. And be having sex with no condom on. <laughs> so you only got one form of protection. You got a fucking face mask to stop you from the coronavirus, but your dick got the virus on it now. <laughs> <laughs> corona pussy. Yeah, man. That's yeah. a ridiculous fucking corona coochie, man. <laughs> yeah. This is ridiculous, man. What's your what's your take, dude? Yeah, I, I think that um this is whole situation was kind of it's just annoying because this whole time and, and, and it sucks for us as people that are abiding by the rules. Right. You know, we're staying out of the way. We're not really going, you know, going to many places where, you know, keeping our distance. We're even like you said before, you're you're not going to go see your dad or your grandpa. Right. Because of the, the potential to spread this virus. Right. And, you know, same with me. There's different things, different music videos and stuff that we haven't been able to shoot just because. Um, we want to be mindful of the right. people around us and right. for people to just go out here and um, essentially just ignore all the rules that are put in place to keep everyone in the city and in the in the world safe. Right. It's just annoying, you know, because, yeah. you know, we all want to be out here doing these things, but you have to have enough discipline to stay inside of your house and, you know, just watch Netflix. 
Yeah. yeah. People getting tired of Netflix, though. In between Netflix, people just fucking each other, man. They just getting yeah. tired. Yeah, you got to get it in. Change that shit to uh, Dick Flicks. <laughs> dick Flicks. <laughs> Are you still watching? <laughs> dick Flicks and uh, Dixony Plus. <laughs> Hulu and Do You. <laughs> Amazon Grind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man not to mention this shit made national fucking news national news you got atlanta and you, uh uh atlanta news outlets and uh cnn and fucking abc this is embarrassing come on bakersfield get your head out of your fucking ass get your head out of your ass this yeah. is ridiculous out mm-hmm. of all the cities we get put on the map for the wrong shit yeah. That's just fucking ridiculous. Inexcusable. And the number of infected continue to rise. Mm-hmm. We're like, what is it around 400? I haven't checked. It's 377 last time they checked. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, that's not even that much. It's not that much. Yes, it is. Because those people, that 300 something people, have the potential to spread their shit to other people. But supposedly, like 119 people were considered to be non contagious. I don't know how they came to that conclusion, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, it's embarrassing when we do this podcast. We do this podcast not only as you know two guys speaking our minds, but people that are proud and represent and try to present the best side of Bakersfield, California. Mm-hmm. But goddamn, man, you guys got to stop fucking up. Yeah, I'm gonna stop saying so many good things about this city if you motherfuckers keep doing this shit. <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't think that represents us or me no not at all think about it i think there's stupid people everywhere and that just so happened to be in bakersfield unfortunately yeah well i'm not saying that. i'm just saying that i try to represent the best side of this city but a lot of times when this when the um it's like the bad news gets out about this place yeah whether it be from alcoholism we were we were labeled the drunkest city in in the country at one time yeah that's embarrassing now it's the motherfucking coronavirus mm-hmm. and then the STDs. Like, come on, man. Fuck. Yeah. Just get this shit together, man. Get it together, dude. Yeah. Come on, Bakersfield. We're better than this. All right. Switching gears. Uh, recently, there was a, a conversation swirling around Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, she cracked a joke uh, regard to prison, and here it is right here. One thing that I've learned from being in quarantine is that people, uh, this, this is like being in jail is what it is. It's uh, mostly because I've been wearing the same clothes for 10 days and everyone in here is gay. All right. So what you heard there is just a basic comedic take. Uh, and now Charlemagne, basically from the Breakfast Club, Charlemagne and Angela Yee, uh, Charlemagne made her the donkey of the day based on the fact of all the things going on in the prisons now, I guess, with the coronavirus and all these other things and now he's trying to tell her how to use her platform and who she should have on the show. And I'm thinking, like, look here. I love Charlemagne. But right now, Charlemagne, you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut up, dude. You are acting just like the same motherfuckers that came after Kevin Hart. Like, this, I don't think this warrants this much attention. Like, it's, it was a joke. And, and the thing about it, too, is, is countless people have made the same comparison to jail or house arrest but in a comedic tone so at a time like this we kind of need a joke you know mm-hmm. i mean we're in quarantine yeah i'm not saying everything is a joke however i am stating that if the joke is harmless it's fucking harmless yeah 
That is ridiculous. You make a donkey today. But here's the problem I have with Charlemagne. And let me make this really clear. The problem I have with Charlemagne ultimately is selective morality. Charlemagne will openly not give Cardi B the the uh, donkey of the day two different times, right? Yeah. The the most recent was when she said that she felt that celebrities was acting like they had coronavirus, and this shit is killing people. Yeah. So you're you're saying that you think people are acting like they got it, but yet you don't give Cardi B's dumbass the fucking donkey of the day, and you jump over that and give it to Ellen. Come on, man. That that to me was corny. Mm-hmm. And it shows the inconsistencies there. I think Charlemagne is great at what he does, but I also think he's horrible at sometimes. You know, but that's that's my take on that. Yeah. For me it was just like like you said, it's just a joke. It, and, and you know, the way the way he said it, he was like that's a bad joke or it's a tasteless joke or whatever. But that doesn't really um that's a good and bad joke is subjective. Right. right, right, right. And she was just trying to, like you said, make light of this situation. And what she was saying was not, she wasn't comparing her mansion to prison. No. She was comparing the situation in which she was living. She said there was, what she said there was, uh, we wear the same clothes every day yeah. and then there's a whole bunch of gay people in the house. Yeah. Which is, you know, more of an attack on herself than, you yeah. know, than a prison or anything else. Um, and also, like, who's, like, Who's the the judge of what we can and can't talk about? Charlemagne himself constantly makes gay jokes all the time. Yeah. You know, he'll he'll send booty to his you know his coworkers yeah. and his co-hosts. He'll send, um, you know, he'll crack gay jokes and stuff all the time on his podcast with Andrew Schultz. Right, but. You know, no one, Ellen DeGeneres is not attacking Charlemagne for making gay jokes. One hundred percent. So, um, you know, why does he feel like the need to? Um, press Ellen DeGeneres over this take on prison. You know what Ridiculous. I mean? Ridiculous. You, yeah. you, you trying to hit Ellen from the back. That ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Ellen would be hitting him from the back. Right. She's like, yeah, you like that, Charlemagne? You like that? Huh? You like that, Charlemagne? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah, but it, to me, it's, it's, um, it's one of the problems that we have uh, in America in general where we will jump out the window over some shit that doesn't warrant that type of reaction. And it happens way too often, man. Uh, we needed a joke. We we needed a joke, and I felt it wasn't. It was obviously a joke because everybody in fucking prison is not gay. Okay? Yeah. So she knew what she was doing with the joke. Yeah. You know, but the problem too is people are getting a little stir crazy right now, and I think Ellen is starting to get there. But I still don't think the joke was bad. But I think Charlemagne is getting stir crazy also. Yeah. Because he was willing to jump out the fucking window over this. And this ain't the only one that I've seen him jump out the window on. He jumped out the window with uh, with Logic. Logic mm-hmm. made a song on his album, which was like satire. And then he made him donkey of the day for it. It was obvious satire, mm-hmm. talking about Charlemagne, and he made him donkey of the day for it. Mm-hmm. Which showed Charlemagne has a really huge ego problem. Yeah. That was just fucking stupid. I hope that whatever happens in the future in regards to any type of media... I hope and pray that I never make it that far where my head is up my ass so fucking far that I'm reacting like Charlemagne. That was just dumb. Mm-hmm. That's dumb. You know, hey. I think it's just important to, you know, I think self-awareness is the one of the strongest tools you can have yeah. uh, in this day and age. Because you're, you'll, especially when you communicate for a living and right. you have to share your opinions. Because, you know, we get here, we get on here every week and we're able to uh, communicate these ideas and opinions that we have 
but also we have each other to um, right. check one another right, and be right, like, right. yo, um, you know, even even a situation I remember uh, you you were talking about in I don't know how you took it or or you know if you took it um, or if you understood what I was saying, but I remember um, something had happened to your car, mm-hmm. and uh, you were talking about how. Uh, I, th- I think we had rode by and there was somebody who's driving a bike and you was like, yo, man, I look like the same kind of person that had a break into my car. And um, that may have been true, but I was like, yo, you can't really say that because right. at the same time, that's the type of energy we get as minorities in this 100%. world. You know what I mean? So 100%. that's the kind of stuff that you need from a co-host and um, just your, your, your circle. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think, you know, people in certain positions – you get so powerful and your voice is, you get your voice gets so big that you don't have those people in your corner anymore. 100%. And then you kind of lose this this sight of um how your opinion is being conve- conveyed out there in the world and how crazy it sounds when you actually think about um the way you the way you started. Like Donkey of the Day was started to basically um highlight dumb things that people are doing in the world, but when you start to bring in uh, biases into the situation, right? He's, and then he had um, what's the other? Was Van Lathan on there talking? And it was like, yo, this is just a joke. Like, oh, why? Van, it's Van Jones. Van Jones, sorry. Yeah, excuse me. Um, you bring in Van Jones into this joke? It's just a joke. Yeah. I mean, if if you don't like the joke, that's fine. Yeah. But Dave Chappelle has said many things about trans people, and you never gave him donkey of the day. Andrew Schultz has a joke where he says the F word that rhymes with Maggie, you never gave him donkey of the day, but one little joke about prison and it's the end of the world. It's like, come on, bro. Yo, I straight up, here's the thing too. I straight up seen the video, and this is a long time ago, the video where Cardi B was going off saying, if I catch my nigga cheating on me, I'm going to set him up with a tranny and I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to tell him we had sex with a tranny. And I'm just thinking like, hold on a minute. Like this is extremely transphobic. Mm-hmm. Right? This is extremely transphobic. No donkey of the day for Cardi B. Mm-hmm. She should have got that shit three fucking times. Yeah. But that's what happens when you're operating from not only from having this uh skewed this very skewed morality, but just having a skewed view of things. You've been working so- and doing this job long enough, you start to believe that the shit that's coming out of your mouth means more than what it actually means. Mm-hmm. Like when I made that statement about man, I look like somebody that would break into my car. Mm-hmm. I got an instant, um, what do you call that? I got a concurrent, concurrent criticism from Keith, and the criticism wasn't bad; it was constructive. Mm-hmm. It was stating like, "Yo, we probably get some of those same looks from other people being as we're minorities." And I was like, "Hmm, it's something you know." But it took me being self aware enough to be like, "Yo, that's pretty. That's a pretty fucked up way to look at people, mm-hmm. right?" And I normally don't, but the backstory to that is I have my car broken into. Mm-hmm. So that gave me a skew view of the world. Like, oh, they look like they did it or they look like they did it. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to be able to take a step back. And I, I just think that this was just unwarranted bullshit. Yeah. Shout out to Ellen, man. She's actually doing good things in the world. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. That's the wrong person to um, be giving donkey of the day to. Because yeah. she's like, obviously, she's, you know, part of the LGBT community. Right. She's just doing a bunch of. She's just a happy go lucky person. Like right. she's a straight good energy. Like that's the wrong person to be giving donkey of the day to. Bro, Kevin. Here's the problem too. Kevin Hart, after all the the tweets and people was giving him shit, you know what show he went on? Ellen. Yeah. You know who didn't give him a hard time? Ellen. Yeah. So it's like, yo, 
Mm-hmm. This is the type of person Ellen is. Yeah. And now you're telling Ellen that she needs to have Van Jones and have some other people on the show. Like, hell no. Yeah. I bet you uh, not only Ellen, but Ellen's like, uh, I guess her, whoever it is, publicist, PR people, whoever, they probably like, man, don't talk to nobody. Yeah. Leave, that, leave this shit alone. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, at the end of the day, if you really understood the joke, she was talking about herself more so than than prisons. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, not to be, um, I guess, negative, but and obviously there's statistics that show otherwise. And, you know, we don't want to actually go into who's the amount of people that are actually guilty in prison and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you do something illegal to go to prison. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? So yeah. these aren't exactly the same people we should just be like um, watching out what, or watching what we say about them. Because I would, I would, I would uh, guess that the majority of those people in prison did something to get there. Yeah, that's and obviously true. there's a small there's a small percentage of people that probably didn't do anything. Probably was walking down the street for being you know being black or whatever the case may be. But a lot of those people did something illegal to be in there. So why right. are we so uh, sketchy or weary about what we say about them? It's not even being sketchy or weary. I'm just thinking. I think they're just picking a they're picking a time to to nitpick on things. That's yeah. all I think it is. Because mm-hmm. I, I, you know how many prison jokes I've heard? A million of them. Yeah, a million of them. Even a booty even, jokes. Yeah, and, yeah all the all the, I you mean, know? Boondocks did a whole episode about prison. Yeah, <laughs> people selling ass for ramen noodles and shit. <laughs> 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 That'd be funny. crazy. They probably make some crazy deals in prison. Yeah, they're like, oh, you want this dick? That's gonna cost you two packs, of, <laughs> two packs of cigarettes and one ramen noodle pack. <laughs> I need two pounds of man butt to get this honey bun. <laughs> <laughs> you want some honey buns? <laughs> <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> Uh, it's oh funny. man, you need some honey buns. All right, yeah. You want some honey buns? Give me some honey buns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. man, yeah. All right, man. Switching gears. Um, a lot of people don't realize it, but they're operating under a false morality. Let me give you an example. I think that if you stand on something, let's say that you're a liberal, let's say you're conservative, whatever. As time goes on, you're going to see that some of your views go against your very political stance. Right. Yeah. Or, or let's say you're a vegan. Right. Let's say you're a vegan and you you're really about the animals and caring about the animals. And then you find out that there's something that you're doing that actually hurts animals. And you've been doing it this whole time. Mm-hmm. But you you go and you stand on this 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 you stand on this cause, not realizing that you're doing something that counteracts. Yeah. The, the You know, the positivity to that cause, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people do it. I, I remember yeah. me, me and Keith were having a conversation about this, basically saying that, you know, we fight for the animals, this, that, and the third. But the very cell phone that you're using was made by child slaves. So yeah. it's like. <laughs> a lot of y'all vegans got apple. Uh, yeah. I think you got an apple because you're a vegan. But in reality, it's some Asian kid that's. You know, five years old just yeah. swinging his life away. You got a fucking three year old named Wong. Ah, oh, Wong. Making you, making <laughs> you, making you fucking phone. <laughs> He's in there sweating, sweating his fucking ass off, throwing Hadouken and shit. <laughs> trying to make your goddamn phone. <laughs> and you want to be just this super, yeah. you know, this super vegan liberal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not right. I think, I think for me, that the problem lies in, in the judgment. Right, right, right. right. So there's a lot of, 
uh, these vegans, vegetarians, a lot of these people, they're like, oh, these meat eaters, all these, you know, these, right. you know, these judging people that are driving these big lifted trucks. And right, right, it's right. always like a judgment thing. Like right. for me, you know, I've, I've tried my, my stint in, you know, the whole vegetarian diet. I, mm-hmm. I did it for a short, short period of time. And, um, if, you know, you feel good, you know, the, the food you consume is easy, more easily digestible. Um, but I was never the person like, oh my gosh, these meat eaters are ruining the world and, right. and stuff like that. Because what happens is those same people, they uh, they lack the self-awareness to know that a lot of the stuff that they're doing is detrimental to 100%. the world also. Right? So if you think about, you think about uh, vegetarians, a lot of them eat strictly uh, vegetables, you know, and it comes to the uh the products that they grow these vegetable with vegetables with they're using a lot of cow manures and stuff like that right, right. also someone has to actually pitch pick these vegetables right and a lot of the time it's either you know illegal yeah uh undocumented workers or you have a bunch of people that are um that are working in like terrible conditions summertime right. 110 degrees they're out there sweating their lives away some people are passing out all these other things they're also getting pesticides sprayed on them right you know what i mean and right. a whole bunch of people are becoming sterile so it's like do you care about animals more or do you care about human beings more right so. i think that the uh i think the word undocumented is less uh harmful because if you say when you say illegal immigrants this sounds bad Oh, I mean, <laughs> I know what you meant, though. Yeah, but it's, as, it's a true. Technically, it is illegal. But yeah, yeah, migrants. If anybody's offended by illegal immigrant, um, I guess we can have a conversation about it. But yeah, it's not really. Worthy. I'm not trying to offend anyone. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> either way. Um, so yeah, so all those things. So if you really look at a lot of these things, or a lot of the way people feel about the world. Unless you're a person that's you're vegan, you're growing every single uh, fruit and vegetable that you eat. Um, you're not consuming anything from a regular store or anything. Yeah. No, no. Uh, excuse me. Um, no, uh, no. Beyond meats or you know the the uh, like the the vegan sausages and all these none of that. And you're doing everything. Excuse me. Everything in house. Then. And you're also driving an electric vehicle mm-hmm. and you're also like, I don't know, doing just, you know, any and everything. You're not having, you got zero plastic in your home. Everything is, uh, everything is, uh, made out of fucking yeah, natural. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything is made out of fucking, uh, tobacco and shit. You're not, use, <laughs> you're not using no condoms. Yeah. No rubbers. <laughs> no rubbers. It's strictly pulling out. <laughs> Straight, straight up, straight up, uh, uh, vegan, vegan dick. dick. <laughs> you ready to get this vegan dick? <laughs> you want this carrot cock? <laughs> That'd be crazy. You ready for this carrot cock? <laughs> oh man! That's oh funny. man! Mm-hmm. I remember I was uh, I was on Highway 210. I was headed west. Yeah, and uh, some dude in a Tesla cut me off. And I blew my air horn at him. Mm-hmm. And he stuck his scrawny vegan fingers out, <laughs> out of the window and flipped me off. Yeah. And I was like, you know, this motherfucker doesn't eat meat with his fingers yeah. looking like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You couldn't change a baby with those hands, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, I, although he like going in on vegans and stuff like that, this yeah. conversation is like bigger than just yeah, you know, our gripe with uh, those kind of people. It's just, the, there's, I mean, we even mentioned Charlemagne the God as far as like 
um, lacking the self-awareness to understand that you're uh, you're doing kind of the same things that you talk about. Exactly. So uh, that's that's kind of kind of where we stand. I just I think that um, even you know we have this conversation over and over and over again, but this the situation pops up in our lives so often that. I feel like we just need to rehash it oftentimes. And that's just that self-awareness that you need to to really maneuver through the world in today's day and age. Because so much of our our thoughts and opinions are put out on front street. And if you're not walking a straight line and if you're not uh, if you don't have the ability to check yourself, then a person on Twitter will or a person on Instagram or a person in the comments will check you and they can go back and document um, and do their research on certain things. So they'll be like, well, episode two, you said this. And if you ain't, if you aren't able to say like, Hey, I changed my opinion on this. Right. Or, you know, or if you just out there just saying things, then, you know, you'll get checks. A hundred percent. You're right about that. Another thing too, folks, if anybody has felt they listened to, listen to this podcast and felt that Keith has said something contradictive or, or hypocritical of his prior opinion or same for me, you got to realize people grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. People grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what episode it was, but I remember I was using an example and I dropped the F-bomb that rhymes with maggot towards gays. But I didn't say it in an offensive way, but I just brought it up. And <clears throat> Keith is like, yo, don't don't say that. That just it just doesn't come off right. It doesn't sound good, which was a teachable moment. Mm-hmm. However, somebody that goes back to that may look at that and be like, I knew Eddie was hated gays or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then now they come at they come here and they're like, you act like you're like you're all like like you don't hate anybody. But I heard that episode where you said the F word. Mm-hmm. Some people think you got to live there forever. Yeah, they'll cut that up. Yeah, they'll cut it up. Mm-hmm. You know what'll happen? It'll be the next 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. And me and Keith are just breaking down these milestones. We're having a great career, and they're going to pull something up. I'm going to be sitting on the couch one day with my wife. we having some mint julep. <laughs> having, having a mint julep. Yeah. Looking off the balcony. Fresh off a vegan dick. Yeah, fresh off. Of, uh, I'll be a vegan by then. <laughs> Should be getting some, some <laughs> vegan black cock. <laughs> oh man yeah man and and then that'll pop up eddie dropped the f-bomb this long ago gay community Mm -hmm. wants an apology and i'm gonna be like look here uh i'm not even gonna make a like a statement i'm like look yeah listen to it and and listen to all the other podcasts while you're at it Mm -hmm. you know i'm not i'm not apologizing for anything yeah and 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 everything happened concurrently after Mm -hmm. i said that Keith said that we had an exchange and moved on yeah, I think I think what happens is when you can when you control your destiny. Right. As far as like, uh, if you're a guy like Joe Rogan, a guy like Nipsey Hussle, right, a guy like Jay Z, where um, you kind of move on your own accord and you right. own a lot of the things that you're doing, you don't have to you don't have to approach everything in this politically correct manner. Right. And even with Kevin Hart, as as much as he said, you know, I'm not apologizing again. Yeah. It was probably, uh, I didn't finish watching that Netflix thing, but it was a lot of people I seen it. probably, um, you know, talking to him and like, yo, yeah. you need to apologize. You know, even though you don't want to do the Oscars no more, you need to do this, you need to do this because yeah. you got a Netflix special coming out and all these different things. What's, and uh, yeah. What was the gay black dude's name? Is it Don Lemon? Yeah. He was like, Kevin Hart, you need to apologize to everybody because yeah. you need to keep going on apology tour until you finish every single city and every single. I'm just like, look here, that's a little bit of bias there yeah. too. This is a little, he shouldn't have to go on apology tour. I think that it hits you harder because you're gay. Yeah, 
I think that's honestly what it is. And it's not, and this is the same thing. This goes for anybody. If you're, if somebody says something that may be kind of misconstrued, it may be like a black slur, then uh, most black people are going to be offended by somebody that said something. Yeah. Like I love Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan had a whole segment where he would like, he was a comedian where he would say like the N word many, 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 many years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. And people called him a racist. People called him, people called him a conservative. People called him liberal. People called him homophobic. People call, they called him everything, but he has the number one podcast in the world for a reason. Yeah. You know, you see the, you see the growth, you see how objective he is, how good he listens. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I got off track a little bit. But yeah, in regards, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was talking about Don Lemon. Mm-hmm. Now nah, I just think he got offended because he was—he's actually a gay, a gay, yeah. black, gay black man. He just, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted Kevin Hart to apologize mm-hmm. to the whole fucking world. You know, you know what happens too. A lot of uh, gay people are extremely homophobic in their in their past life. Yeah, that, yeah. You, so there's yeah. a lot of people in that you know they're running away, running away from their sexuality, and at a certain time they were. They were using the F word and they were using, right. you know, these different slurs and stuff like that. Yep. So um, obviously we don't we don't want to use that speech and we don't want to use that verbiage nowadays. No. But um, don't try to make a guy like Kevin Hart apologize for the rest of his life. Right. Like, you know, and check your own self. You should if you feel like that. And those people that were homophobic um, in their younger years, uh, should they be apologizing every single day to the whole community? You, you know what? Hold on. Here's, here's another conversation. We'll just pull this in. Does somebody have to live in a certain place for the rest of their life? Mm-hmm. Let's say a guy was a uh, white supremacist, right? And yeah. he said, and he said that, you know what? I, I don't think this is right. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to hate anyone. I want to, I want to change my ways. Do you know how many people would not ever let him do that? Yeah. It'd be so many people mm-hmm. like, once a racist, always a racist. <laughs> and then the, yeah. the initial the initial conversation was like, I can't I stay, I can't, I stay, I hate racism. I can't even get my fucking <laughs> my brain working. But I hate racism. This is ridiculous. And then mm-hmm. the same person is racist that apologizes and says that I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be right. Can you help me? Yeah. They were like, I ain't helping you. You're a racist. Yeah. It's like is he supposed to be this way the rest of his fucking life? Yeah. Like, one of the nicest dudes I met was when I went to trucking school. And uh, I didn't I didn't know that he was in prison and he was, you know, a part of the white, like a, we call it like a white Nazi group or whatever. Uh-huh. But he had a fucking swastika on his arm. And I didn't judge him for it. He just said, I'm sorry, man. It was my past. I was locked up. And I, yeah. don't, I don't believe in that, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just here to... I give my life to God and I'm changing my, I've changed my ways. And he was a really nice guy. Yeah. But he had a fucking swastika. That was the only difference. Mm-hmm. And he always had it covered up because he wanted to be respectful, you know, but I didn't judge him for that. Mm-hmm. You know, great guy. I hope he's doing well. I haven't seen him in a while. He's a trucker. You said he a truck driver. Yeah. He had a swastika on his arm that he had it covered up, mm-hmm. but he's a great guy. And yeah. I could have said, oh no, fuck that white boy, man. You know, he got a swastika. Yeah. He might try to kill me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think we we deserve the right to change. Right. I think that's what makes us human being. I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, like what really makes um, us separate from any other species or robots or any other algorithm or whatever is that we have the ability to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. 100%. So I yeah. remember... Uh, 
and yeah, we we could change. I was having sex with this chick one time, mm-hmm. and I was hitting it from the back. She's like, "Oh my god, change me, change me!" You stupid. <laughs> <laughs> change positions, change <laughs> positions. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All That's right, crazy. man. Uh, switching gears. Um, I think a lot of us, um, we do things the, like the way we our brain operates is different. I was thinking one day, I was like, you need to be first to think and last to react, right? But instead, we flip it, and that's the wrong way. We are first to react, basically, which is off of impulse, instead of thinking first. Yeah. This is what happens when you react off impulse. Let's say there's a guy across the street. Man, I'll beat your ass. You a bitch. Fuck you. And you like, fuck you, bitch. You want to fight? And then you guys get in a fight. Mm-hmm. Or... If a dude's like, fuck you, bitch, you, you want to fight and you're standing, he's standing way across the street and you're like, this guy's not in any harm to me, even though he's talking shit. Let me just get in my truck and drive off. Mm-hmm. Right. If you were to think in that moment, it wouldn't have to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But most of us react off of impulse. Yeah. And then a lot of times if you react off impulse, there's usually a lot of bad things to happen. Let's say the, the guy tells you to fuck yourself. You fight him. And then you kill him by accident. You punch him, his head hits the ground, and it busts open like a fucking tomato. And now the police got you under arrest. And all you had to do was walk away. Yeah. That's what happens when you don't think. You know what else happens when you don't think? You'd be like, you about to hook up with this chick and be like, oh my gosh, she's so hot. I don't have any condoms, but she looks clean. All of a sudden, mm. you got AIDS. Because you couldn't cover your fucking dick up. Yeah. And that's what happens a lot when you're not thinking. Yeah. You're just reacting off impulse. That's why people use that, I guess, the term uh, uh, thinking with your dick, not your head. Yeah. It comes from that. Yeah. Not thinking with the right fucking head. Yeah. And then you end up with a, with a, with a kid or a fucking virus. And a disease. Yeah. You have corona, AIDS, HIV, fucking hepatitis, corona. Yeah, that'd be a bad day. If you yeah. get the coronavirus, you get AIDS. That'd be fucked up. All that in the one. You get a piece of paper, it got all the diseases. Like, it'd be like COVID-19. Positive, 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 positive. positive. <laughs> you got every virus in one fucking day. You got salmonella, everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I think, but I, I do think it's it's important to uh, to just compose yourself before any, any sort of altercation or any sort of situation right. like that. Because there's been times, even even for me, I remember I was uh, I was bouncing. I was doing. I was a security guard at one point, and a lot of times, you know, you get drunk people in there, and you know, you gotta you gotta try to move people out of the club when it's closing time, and you know, people just want to sit in there and drink and all these all these kind of things. And I remember I forget what this dude exactly said, but he was just talking reckless to me, um, and I was trying to get him to move out of the door. And he just kept talking and talking and talking. But I was I was able to, you know, like and he, I don't I don't call, I don't think he called me the N word, but I don't think he called me a nigger. But I think he said nigger in the sense of like, you know, the argument, you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. and even through all that, I was able to just be like, all right, you know, this guy is drunk. He's yeah. obviously drunk. I, you know, he, he probably can't fight. He's like five foot five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to I'm not going to fight this dude. So eventually and then eventually he walked off and I was, you know, I was able to go home and, you know, get some sleep. And it wasn't a thing where I had to, you know, file any sort of report or make, you know, talk to the manager about any sort of situation. And that was pretty much the end of it. So 
Um, and you know, I have many other situations where, where like, like you said, it's just, it's just important to just sit there, compose yourself, make sure your heart rate is down yeah. and genuinely, um, go through each scenario in your head as far as like, what do you think could happen? hundred so, percent. Yeah. Here's the, here's the, I think this is the best example in regards to, uh, working with a cool head. Um, now, have you ever been in a situation where someone has wronged you in some capacity and now, you know, you're pretty pissed off about it, but there's a duration in time until you see that person or you can't contact them. And by the time you want to react, you don't because you realize that situation isn't even worth the reaction. Yeah. But that time in between is what allowed you to think about the situation. But imagine if the person had wronged you and you concurrently dealt with it right there. It would have been bad. You might have ended up getting in a fight with that person. You might have ended up getting arrested. You might have ended up having a heated conversation. But you could have avoided all that if you just use your brain in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier said think, than done. You know, but. The, the world would be a completely different place if right. everyone took that same sort of energy. Just like we talked about earlier, the uh, the shootout in Bakersfield here, yeah. here in Bakersfield. If everyone there was like, you know what, I'm going to just walk away. You know what, I'm going to just go home before I start shooting at whoever. Right. That situation would have not even taken place. Because yeah. nine times out of ten, um, most altercations and fights don't even need to be taken to that level. True. Most of the, most of these things can be diffused with a conversation. True. And then, you know, everybody could walk away unscathed and you won't end up on national news. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. They probably got mad like, oh, bitch, you want to spare Corona around here? <laughs> yeah. Brrr, pop, pop. But we got yeah. We got to have a gun uh, gun sound next time. Yeah. yeah I would have totally used it this episode. <laughs> yeah. They, I remember the old, the, that roadcaster we were using. The gun on that one is weird. It's like, pow, pow. That mug is slow, too. Terrible. Like, God damn. What kind of gun is that? That nigga still shooting. Is that a fucking Walmart special? What the I fuck is that? Yeah. It's like a Wild Wild West shootout. This is a, this is a great value gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Switching gears. Uh Oh, there was uh, recently there was a Colin Kaepernick uh, false signing tweet. Uh, Keith, give your uh, POV on that because I, I don't really get a whole bunch yeah, of information. So basically what happened is um, this is how I got the news initially. So I was on the phone with my boy. We chopping it up. He like, um, you know, you know how we do nowadays. Like people be multitasking when they talking to you nowadays. So you got, you know, you got your phone on speaker. You scrolling through Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and then you also having a conversation on the other end. So you like half listening, half you know scrolling through tweets and Instagram, double tapping booty pics and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So basically, my phone, my friend was on the phone, and then and then he was like, hey. Colin Kaepernick just got signed to the Jets. And for me, I'm always like skeptical of just information in general. And I was like, first of all, like I hadn't seen anything all day or I didn't get no like ESPN notification or or anything like that or Google alert or whatever. So let me actually see what's going on. So I Google Colin Kaepernick's name and the first headline that popped up, it said that um, basically the head one line was like a fake tweet about Colin Kaepernick signing is floating around. So I was like, oh, this is not even real. And I told him that. And then he was like, oh, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm tripping. I'm, I'm doing the same thing that I talk about. I'm not even reading the yeah. information. So if you actually looked on Twitter, you would see 
um, that the tweet came from an account that was so uh, obviously fake that um, it wouldn't have taken more than two, three seconds to actually see that it wasn't a real tweet or that didn't really happen. Stupid. Um, so it, it was just crazy to see. It was an, it was a it was a influx of people tweeting like, "Yo, congrats, Colin Kaepernick! Like about time!" And I could finally watch the NFL now. All these kind of things. But if you really just took the time to actually read, you would have seen that this was this was fake. And um, so it sucks on a couple levels. It sucks that there are people so easily influenced and people are not yeah. actually reading or um, taking the time to see if they're what they're looking at is legit. Not so, fact checking it. Yeah. So that's that looks bad on us as American people and, you know, just us as a society. It also sucks um, like for like a, a call. Like if you imagine like us, for instance, right. they're like um, a trucker's mind podcast just signed a five million dollar deal with you know, uh, Showtime or something like that. And right. we just sitting at, you know, we sitting in Eddie's apartment in his living room. Like, yeah, I ain't got that kind of money. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, just spreading false information is never good. I think if I, if I say that, I'm like, yo, Keith, you hear about the deal we got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you drive your same car, to, like, your same truck to work. And you're like, what's going on, man? Yeah. They got my hopes up. Yeah. Said Eddie and Keith have been brief for uh <laughs> like, wait a minute, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I just think what it is is people what they do is they don't fact check anything and they automatically call it fact. I think people believe everything they see on the internet. They, they do. I think that even the news, like they'll come out with a story that's blatantly wrong. Yeah. Like even the story about the shooting uh in Bakersfield, they try to say it was four hundred people. Yeah, that don't even make sense. There ain't even four hundred people in Bakersfield. What? <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> <laughs> no, but this it just that number doesn't add up. Yeah, if you have four hundred people meeting somewhere, then the police would have been on top of that immediately. Have you ever talked to someone um and they use um rumors in a conversation as if they're facts? A hundred percent all the yeah. fucking time. They'll be like, yeah, man, and that nigga Jay-Z, he in the Illuminati, so you already know the devil helping him get a million, yeah. you know, a million record sales. <laughs> like, like what? what are you talking about? If you don't get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, my God. Hell? And then you go on Google to check and see what they're talking about, and it's just some random article from no some right. no-name source. Not, not to mention, when people have a stance on anything, they will find any way to uh they will find any source that reaffirms their belief yeah and they will find anything to try to invalidate what you say Mm -hmm. all they're trying to do is invalidate what you say and say law you need to go here i was having a conversation with someone i'll leave them nameless right um i'm a leaning right conservative dude great guy um but the problem i have is whenever we talk about liberals that are doing weird stuff It seems that he agrees with that a lot. He's really all the way in. But then when I have any type of um, critique of conservatives and how they do things, then he's like, wait, no, man, wait, wait a minute. No, Um, actually, the problem with this is Hillary. She's a part of this. And I'm like, you got all these different conspiracy theories involving liberals and no conservatives. Mm -hmm. That's extreme, extreme conservative bias. Not to mention you are finding anything on the internet or anything to reaffirm your point. And you're trying to invalidate what I'm saying when the only problem with that is is you're using your source to do that. 
And it's like, I'm not even going to get in an argument with someone like that. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of my time, man. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, just like the dude that sent you the fucking Colin, or told you about the Colin Kaepernick uh, New York Jets tweet. Mm-hmm. He never took the time to even look at it. Yeah. But he was about to use that shit as facts. Yeah. Like, dude, chill, man. Mm-hmm. You got to, that's not cool. And the, here's the fucked up part. Once people find out it's fake, it's went around for so long, it's like a coronavirus. Yeah. Bad news spreads faster than coronavirus. Yeah. You telling a corona lie. Yeah. Damn, man. Don't go to sleep, man. God damn. <laughs> that was a good yawn, too. That might feel good. You, sound, <laughs> you, you sounded like a fucking, you sound like a caveman. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> Fire. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is will <laughs> i make fire <laughs> you know what's funny is i don't think like the first what, they, what do they call them uh neanderthals or whatever they call them yeah the, those neanderthal men they, they didn't speak any language they probably just walk around like Eek, ah. <laughs> ah, is, ah. dick puss you said what? Dick puss. <laughs> <laughs> they probably was the first ones to create the word fuck. It's like, fuck, 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 fuck. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's funny. Can you imagine when they created the wheel? Yeah. And it started rolling. It was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's funny. Could yeah. you imagine, like, the first people to have sex? Yeah, they probably they probably trying to find a hole. <laughs> it's that same expression that he had when he found out the wheel could roll. The same expression he had when he slid in that mug. Like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that'd be crazy. I bet you she was mad. He put it in a, he put it in the wrong hole. That's funny. She's like, not the ass. You <laughs> I'm crazy. sorry about that. <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. Sorry about that, Eve. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. I got nothing else on that. Uh, switching gears. Um, the movie Honey Boy. Um, this movie is based on uh, Shia LaBeouf and uh, his relationship with his father. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen this movie, but I strongly suggest you watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. That's where I watched it. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Really good film. I guess it's, it's, a considered, it's not like it's not a biopic. No, it's it's. I wouldn't call it a biopic. Like based on it's, true events. Uh, yeah, it's loosely based on his life. So what he did was <laughs> he wrote the film uh, based on his personal experiences and based on his, um, his, his communication with his therapist. Uh, but he kind of changed everything just to fit into a narrative. He changed right. the name of his character. He changed the name of his dad. Um, he changed the name of uh, certain other characters in the movie. Um, but it is pretty much a biopic, you know. Yeah. Not by definition, but it is right. pretty much a biopic. Yeah, yeah. based on true events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is like you start with me, I start to draw parallels between uh, the relationship with me and my father. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is like obviously – <clears throat> there it's not the same exact relationship but mm-hmm. it's just with this guy it seemed like it's just as ridiculous mm-hmm. you know um his father critiqued him so much mm-hmm. um there was times where he was embarrassing his son on set and making advances at the women that were on set and 
there was a scene where he critiqued his son's penis size, which I think that has to be incredibly emasculating for a little boy. The boy, he was only like 11 or 12 years old at the time, and he was like, you ain't got nothing down there, boy. Look at Listen to how you sound when you pee. Little this, pencil dick. Yeah, this is how real men pee. And then he mm-hmm. was, then his dad went in there peeing. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, that's ridiculous. Like, you, you're, you're not only emasculating him, but you're treating him like, like, like just a little punk kid. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But what it is, 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 um, his dad, the parallel with me and my dad was basically, if you ever had a parent that basically, like, said, like, do as I say, not as I do type of thing. Mm hmm. And I, that's the type of dad I had. Like, my, yeah. you know, there was a lot of areas my dad was great in, and there was other ones where he needed a lot of work. Yeah. And um, not only that, I think there's a lot of parents that don't figure their shit out before they have kids. Mm-hmm. And it becomes really apparent in a lot of situations. Certain traumas that they had. You know, I'm not proud to bring this up on a podcast, but my father ha- had a drug problem when I was young. Um, he had a problem with cocaine. And... It was, it's when you're a kid, it's really not, it's not ideal to have a situation like that mm-hmm. and to see that and to, to actually um, comprehend that is tough because you don't want to believe that your father has a drug problem. That's not what you want to believe. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, the good thing that my dad did while he had an addiction is he would, he would say things to me like, don't you ever do drugs. You see what it's doing to me? Don't you ever fucking do drugs. Yeah. And to this day, I've never even tried any drugs. I've never even smoked weed. Yeah. And weed is pretty, it's harmless, but I've never done it because I was too afraid. And I think that that fear, it carried over, but now I don't have any urge to do it. I'm not fearful of marijuana. You know, I have a professional job also, which I wouldn't smoke, but I just think that if it doesn't make me a better person, I don't feel the need to do it. Yeah. And seeing my father go through those battles, man, it really was, it really was tough. Yeah, but it was also very dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. That that was very dysfunctional time. There's a whole lot more, but I'll the, one of the things that I that I think um, he touched on is as far as the trauma, right? Is um, in in it's a I haven't ever had a conversation with a therapist, but you know a lot of a lot of what I do for myself is just reparenting and kind of you know speaking to myself and just being in my own head um, and right. kind of trying to decipher through the the things that I do on a daily basis. But we, we are, we talked about it before, as far as the things that, that go unchecked will come out in different facets of your life. 100%. Right. So as far as like Shia LaBeouf, um, he's going through his whole life as far as like, you know, uh, living with his dad and, and acting and just the way that his dad was treating him and all these different things. And they started to come out as an adult where he's wearing right. the, the trash, I mean the, the bags on his head and he's yeah. uh, getting in fights with police officers, DUIs, all right. these sort of things um, started to come out because they went unchecked. And I think that the most important thing for, for us, you know, as millennials and um, young people that are still young enough to, uh, to check these things is to, excuse me, get a hold on that um, as fast as you can, because, you know, you don't know in what areas of your life these things could come out. So for for Shia LaBeouf and his dad, so his dad treated him a certain way. His dad was drinking a lot. His dad, you know, um, he hit him in the in the movie. He hit him only one time, but I'm yeah. sure there, there was uh, physical abuse. There was emotional abuse. There's right. all kind of other things. Um, and there's other traumatic experiences that happened around him as far as like him uh, 
Shia LaBeouf's dad arguing with his mom and right. all these different things that he's consuming. So, um, but what you see is these things happens in, it happen in cycles. Yeah. So, you know, they mentioned before or they mentioned in the movie when Shia LaBeouf's dad was going to a therapist, he mentions traumatic stuff that happened to him right. when he was a, as a, when he was a child. So I think the most powerful thing that happened in the movie is that Shia LaBeouf was able to speak to a therapist and the therapist was able to get through to him. Right. So now when he has kids, he'll, he'll be able to, and obviously he's still working on himself, but when, um, when Shia LaBeouf has kids, he, he's not going to pass on those same 100%. traumatic experiences and things to his kids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that what it is, is you have to, um, uh, you got You got to, got you got to stop the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. You have to stop the cycle. And I, I think that, it started with me a lot of things um just to just to have some more parallels like there was times where i noticed um his dad never really appreciated what he did for him meaning um his dad wasn't in the greatest position at the time in regards to financially i think his dad had just gotten out of jail or something like that mm-hmm. and he didn't have a job and Shia LaBeouf was you know a child actor that was bringing in enough money for them to live like it was like a ratty hotel but that's where they lived the crazy part is that um I've been to that same. This is just a movie. It's not right. Not where, where they really live, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to that same uh, that motel. Right. It's like where a lot of m- music videos and movies and stuff are oh, shot at. So okay. I shot a. Uh, I was helping. I was a PA on a, mo- a music video mm-hmm. at that spot. So when I seen it, I was like, "Oh, that's crazy. I've been there before." But go ahead. Yeah, no, that's dope, man. Um, it's just like some of the i like some of the things that he was doing. Like there's a uh, what's another. There's so many, it's so many gems in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad had a really short fuse and was always mad at every small thing. Yeah. And what I noticed is like my dad was not like that. He wasn't always mad at things and this and that and the third. But there was times where you have a short fuse over things that really didn't matter. And I didn't realize what it was is that when you're a person dealing with addiction, you can fly off the handle off of anything because yeah. you are craving, uh, you know, the drug, whatever that drug is. Yeah. No, granted, my dad's been clean for quite some time, but going through that as a young kid was pretty traumatic on my end. Yeah. So I had to see things that I really shouldn't have fucking seen. But also, like, you know, kind of going back to that, uh, that, uh, I don't know what you call like regurgitating trauma. Right. Um, you know, in an instance where your dad would blow up at you or your dad would be mad at you, he's probably not even mad at you. Exactly. 100%. He's mad at whatever his parents did to him or 100%. whatever traumatic you know maybe you talked about your dad uh being abused by a police officer or whatever right, you know maybe he's you know uh spewing that onto you because there's no other outlet for him to get these these ideas or these thoughts out 100 so, yeah. it's it's unchecked trauma yeah and the problem with unchecked trauma is you can pass along that trauma yeah you know what i mean and what i started to realize too is as you get older you start to see your parents flaws and how much they had an effect on you yeah Right. And if you can see how much they had an effect on you, you can change that. Mm-hmm. You know, like and you know, my mother, who is uh, mentally ill um, and my father, who now is, you know, one of my only active parent, um, raised me and was going through his own demons at that time. Mm-hmm. So imagine being a single father, raising a daughter and a son and you also battling your own addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the type of house I came up in. 
Yeah. You know, I learned a lot from my dad, but like I mentioned, it was more of a do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. But I learned to have accountability for who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times he was not accountable. Like it was literally like the opposite of what, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Of what he was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what I, what I noticed also in the film is how, uh, shy sometimes to tell him to his face, like he tell him like uh, his dad, like he basically, dad basically worked for him. Mm-hmm. He was like a chaperone. Yeah. That's all he really was at the time. Yeah. Tell him he, 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 I pay you and you can't even get a job because you're a felon. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, it's crazy how much awareness he had as a kid. Yeah. Um, one thing as far as like the, the, so we kind of spoke about like the uh, psychology of the film, but right. one other thing that was very interesting that I, that I noticed was because Shia LaBeouf had been acting for so long, I think his, his, there was like this uh, seamlessness between the real world and film. Right. And I think, you know, throughout the film, there's this constant battle of, am I really acting or am I really um, saying what I truly feel like? Am I speaking as a character or am I speaking as Shia LaBeouf? And right. I still um, feel like on some level he's trying to figure, to, figure that out. Um, but if you if you notice, um, and when you guys watch the movie or if you've seen the movie already, at the beginning of the movie, he's... He's in this like uh soup, you know, this action, this big bug, big budget action movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they kind of pull him away, and you know, um, on this like string or whatever, and then they yell yeah. cut, and then <clears throat> it goes through this montage of different, uh, different movies that he's been in or different right. movies that he's acting in, and then he goes back to his trailer. Yeah, and he's still kind of connected to the yeah to the, the theme thing that was, the- and they didn't take it off. Yeah, and then he 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 has sex with this girl yeah. and all this, and then he crashes. So I think the way that the way that I understood that part is that there's like this, um, I guess this disconnect from reality. Right. So like his real world and the film are like blending together. So he's on mm-hmm. this transformer set, and then when he leaves, he's almost still that character. Right. Or he's on Indiana Jones or whatever other movie, but when he leaves the set, he's still. In a uh, in a character, and it, 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 it kind of gets confusing because you kind of get lost in this world when you've been acting right. for so long. So, yeah, you kind of create like a clusterfuck. Yeah, you know, and you you really your identity is skewed because you are acting, and then when you get in the real world, you're still trying to figure out your identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even yeah. when he was talking to the therapist, when he walk when he first walks in, he's like, "I messed up. My dad messed up. You know, all these kind of things." But it's yeah. almost like what what he thinks the therapist wants to exactly. hear versus what he really, what he really feels, feels about. Yeah. So he's like, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. And, and then he tried to, he kind of tried to manipulate one of the leaders there. He told him something. He's like, are you acting or are you trying? Yeah. To, you know, he's, and he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know. But one, one thing that's, you know, I, I hear this, this line all the time. Like I know, I'm sure you've heard rappers say like, you know, rap is my therapy or music is my therapy. Right. And I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I don't Me think neither. that just verbalizing, you know, stories is therapy. Right. right. But on some level it is, right? Yeah. Because I think that's what that's what his therapy was. His therapy was actually like writing the movie. Right. So but I think that's like the first step as far as like recognizing what actually happens. And so and right. in some instances like, you know, the podcast is therapeutic for me or me making a song or me, you know, writing a short film is 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 therapy on some level. But that's just the genesis of it. Like it takes real work as far as like 
trying to find the triggers and trying to find the things that are wrong with you and changing those things. So, hundred percent. There was a part in the film that um, it was kind of it was kind of sad, but in a way, it was a good thing. Shy uh, or young Shy LaBeouf found uh, a friend and a girl. I believe she was like a prostitute or a stripper or one of them. Mm-hmm. I think she was a prostitute, um, but basically she was looking for the same thing that he was looking for, but she was looking for somebody just to treat her like a human being. Yeah. And he just wanted somebody that could actually show him affection. Let, let me, uh, I want mm-hmm. you to finish your point, but like on a cinematic level and in, in screenwriting, they talk about, they talk about your wants versus your needs. Right. right. Uh-huh. So in the, in when you, when you're writing these complex and these intricate characters, and this is like upper, upper level, like screenwriting and stuff. Um, the character goes in to, uh, you know, a scene or a scenario trying to find what they want. Right. But in good screenwriting or in good filmmaking, they usually end up what they need versus what they want. Mm. So in those moments, you know, she, he probably wants a friend and she probably wants to, you know, get paid from the altercation. But right. in the end, you know, I'll let you finish. No, no, that's a hundred percent though. Mm-hmm. That actually explains exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think that they've, they've, they've mutually, they mutually had a, um, reciprocated relationship, yeah. mm-hmm. which was pretty awesome. So she really cared about him. And there was a scene where uh, the dad was gone. I guess he was binge drinking and drugs and he came back and yeah. he asked her, did you fuck my son? And then she was like, you fucked your son. And she slapped him. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but no, finish telling a story about Shia LaBeouf and the girl and what, like what happened. With, oh, yeah. oh yeah. Well, anyways, basically there was a scene in there where i thought that she was gonna have sex with shia labeouf or the young shia labeouf Mm -hmm. and she was like kissed him and and whatnot and then he just kind of stopped and then he put money in her hand and then he like kissed her on the forehead and then he laid in the bed and then she kind of was laying with him Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't like i don't know it's kind of hard to explain Mm. it was yeah uh it wasn't like a it wasn't like a sexual energy. 100%. Like it, the audience would have believed that, you know, oh snap, he's going to lose his virginity and she's right. going to, you know, you know, uh, take advantage of him or whatever. He's going to suck his, his <laughs> Suck his little penis dick. A <laughs> 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 little Ticonderoga dick. <laughs> it was hilarious. You, you, you said a penis dick. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that. <laughs> I meant to say pencil, but <laughs> yeah, she's about to suck his penis dick. <laughs> Uh, you know it's crazy sometimes you'd be doing a podcast and in your mind you're saying the right thing right and when you listen back you're like that made no sense yeah (laughs) but what's weird is it'll make sense to me and i might not correct it because you got to realize although i'm listening to keith although keith is listening to me there are certain times in the podcast where your mind kind of (laughs) wonders kind of wonders a little bit and it's because you're thinking of something Mm-hmm. To like to add a point to what Keith's trying to say, and the same for me. Yeah. You kind of get a little bit lost in it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're staying on track, man. Sorry about that, Keith. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically, you know, in that scenario, um, they they got they they went in wanting. So I think, like I said before, he wanted someone to to just um, to just play with, I guess, or you know, just to to acknowledge him yeah yeah to 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 i think so i think he wanted to yeah i think he just wanted a friend right right and then i think she wanted to 
maybe just get paid right in that yeah. in that scenario and then what they ended up getting was they just both got friends like she right. was a young fast girl that hanged yeah. around older people a lot yeah. um there was instances where like you know guys that look like pimps would show up outside right. of her apartment right. shia labeouf's dad even Tried like, to, was flirt made a pass yeah. at her and she was just like turned off by the idea yeah. And um, all of a sudden, they just, you know, they just met each other. And like I said, they just got what each other needed as far as like friendship and just someone to look look at each other as human beings. And I yeah. think that's that's um, the beautiful thing about that story. And it's just uh, one, one other thing that that I took from it also is that there's a lot of people that have hidden talent out there in the world. Right. Yeah. So Shia LaBeouf had never written a screenplay before ever. Wow. And the only reason he wrote that story was because of Therapy. his therapist. Wow. Because his, his, his therapist wanted him to verbalize the things or the conversation that him and his dad had. So he started just writing and writing in two months <clears throat> um, after his, his, his therapy, he came up with that screenplay. And, you know, for me as a, as a, as a aspiring filmmaker, just seeing how uh, well put together and how um, nuanced that screenplay was, I, I'm just amazed, and, and I'm looking forward to what um, what else Shia LaBeouf has to offer in this in this film world. Yeah, I think therapy was the best thing that happened to Shia LaBeouf in more than one way. Not only was he able to conquer um, what had been, you know, uh, this accumulated trauma in his life, and and have ownership of why it happened and kind of understand where it came from. Mm -hmm. But he's also able to create something great in the process in this yeah. film. Yeah. And, you know, I think that what this film did is it kind of, they did such a masterful, it was like they, they had such a masterful way of putting you in the position of a 12 year old child star mm -hmm. and what type of upbringing he had and how sorry you felt for him mm -hmm. and how much a 12 year old is, Almost having to parent his parent. Yeah. It's a weird dynamic, yeah, right? Where yeah. you just like, you know, you, you're like, my dad don't even got it all together. He was like certain instances where he was manipulating his dad to get cigarettes. Right. It's, and it's crazy. Like, and he's like, yo, don't be smoking on set because I don't want people to think I'm a bad parent. Right. Exactly. Here, there was a scene in the film that stuck out to me. It was just a very small small like small piece that maybe a lot of people didn't get um it was early in the morning and shy was leaving i think he was leaving to go to set mm -hmm. and his dad was in the bed sleep and shy had woken up early mm -hmm. made a hot cup of coffee and then had a pack of cigarettes sitting next to the coffee and then he was going out the door but before he left he kind of like rubbed his dad's feet to kind of wake him up mm -hmm. and his dad woke up and drank the coffee and smoked the cigarettes mm-hmm and it's almost like the dad expected that to be there. Yeah. Without, you know, he basically didn't appreciate his son. Yeah. Because without his son, he would not be waking up to hot coffee and cigarettes and everything. Yeah. It's just basically it was um it was basically just showing how much he was not appreciated. Yeah. And I think as much as like I think the the you know, just with communicating with, with one of my cousins. Yeah. My older cousin Joseph, um, I got a grasp on this idea. So, for 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 most people in the world, um, and if you listen to Shia LaBeouf's interview with Ellen DeGeneres, he calls this movie a love letter to his dad. 
Mm-hmm. And for most people in the world, they would probably be like, why would he love his dad after all this? Right, right. And I think um, for those people, they just don't understand. Uh, they don't understand family and relationships on right. that certain level. Right. So, you know, for you and I, we both have like these sort of like nuanced relationships with our dad. Just, right. you know, just first of all, being black men and, you know, mm-hmm. just the traumatic experiences that they go through and right. how they uh, put those experiences onto us right? Um, as young black men. But at the end of the day, they are our parents. A hundred percent. So I think what I was telling, I was telling, um, I was telling one of my friends, I was saying that what happens is, is so you, you grow up and you're a child and, and you're so naive to the world and you just don't know enough about the world to really, um, feel any sort of thing outside of love for your dad. A hundred percent. So you're just growing up, you're probably in elementary school, junior high, and all these things happen. Then you get to high school and, you know, you become a young adult. You're 19, 20 years old. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, this, he's not actually the greatest person in the world. A hundred percent. And then, you know, you get into your late 20s and then you start to understand psychology. So you're like, oh, snap. Like This is why. Yeah. His parents didn't do this or his dad was not there for him or his mom did this every single day. And he's only um, a product of those sort of things. Absolutely. And then after that, you you grow a new appreciation for for your dad. So I think that's the the journey that that Shia LaBeouf went through. So I thought that was like a you know we we I think a lot of um, black young black males should watch this movie and they can take a lot from it. You know what I mean? Because a lot of us have uh, these strange rela- relationships with our with our fathers, mostly. So I think um, I think they could learn a lot from that. And you know, even if your dad was there, he wasn't there. I think right. you could you could learn a lot um, from that and learn a lot about your your dad as well. Hundred um, percent. And you could. It's all perspective too. Like when you mentioned, you can get older and be like, you know what? He was working with the best that he had, and you yeah. look at what he had, and it wasn't great. You know, and it's just like shit. But what I think, too, is, is whenever you try to remind your father or parent or whoever of, uh, let's say you're having a conversation, they talk about something and you'd be like, well, you don't remember, but you said this or you did this. Mm-hmm. And then what it does is it triggers that trauma and they don't want to hear it. Yeah. They're like, no, nah, I wasn't even that bad. You over there making a big deal out of this and that. So what it is, is this. What Shia LaBeouf was able to do is when he created this this uh content when he created this 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 film it was digestible uh, it was digestible enough for his father to watch it yeah and what it did is it put it out on the screen for his father to see he said his dad was really emotional and everything when he He's, seen it. yeah he just said at the in the ellen DeGeneres interview he said um he's told when so he wrote all the first part mm-hmm. and then he he had um maybe uh the last act in the i think the producer or whomever told him to go visit his dad so he can finish the movie mm-hmm. and then he had a conversation with his dad and that's this takes place in the movie at the end it like did, that's yeah. what really really happened and then um the only thing his he was Shia LaBeouf told his dad that he's going to make a movie about him and then his dad told him to just make him look good yeah um so yeah. with that sort of information you know he was able to finish the finish the movie yeah yeah, because I guess he had to have him sign the thing to use his likeness. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't talk. They talked. They he talked that. about it. Yeah, he okay, talked about yeah. it on interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, man, I, I just think that when you could put something in and document it so well, and then mm-hmm. you have your parent that watches it, because a lot of times people that are distributing. 
the trauma, they don't want to hear about that. Yeah. They don't want to, they don't want to hear about it at all. It's hard for them to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they don't have accountability, but even if they may not have accountability, if you're able to, you know, show them something in such a way as a film, then it becomes undeniable. Yeah. You can't yeah. say, oh, that's a lie. That never happened. Yeah. Because if it really happened and you know it did, you cannot lie to you at that point. You know yeah. what you were doing. You got to sit in that. You got to sit in that, man. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think most people in my position as of how I grew up, they wouldn't come out the way I did. I'm not making it like I'm just, you know, great or I had the worst father ever, ever. Yeah. But the thing is, is, you know, when you have a parent that has trauma to the point to where, you know, you get in situations, have had situations where I go home and sheriff knocks on the door and say, hey, you guys got one hour to move everything out of this house. Mm-hmm. You know, you get evicted from places and all kind of shit's going on. It's tough, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's tough to comprehend that as a kid. One thing I learned, too, is that um, trauma is trauma. And it's right. it's. It's not. It's not even subjective. I right. think trauma is uh, very objective because there's one kid um, who who's grew up maybe in the southwest of Bakersfield, right. and their traumatic experience is that they didn't get the the Jordans that they wanted to on Christmas. Wow! And as much as we can laugh at it, like yeah. that still can be traumatic for yeah. those people out there, and it can drive them to act accordingly. You know wow. what I mean? That's so fucking, it's fucking pathetic. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It is. But at the same time, it you know it it yeah, and you know because I was I was talking to my cousin one day, and he was telling me he's like, "Yo, you should look into this." Um, I don't know what you would call it. It's like this master class for like people to kind of uh get through traumatic experiences in their life or whatever. And uh-huh. I was like, "Yeah, that sounds like something you know I'd be willing to do just so I can right. learn about myself more and, and stuff like that." And you know, I thought to myself, I was like, for me, like, I've been through a lot in my life, but I was like, at the same time, I was like, like, how do they communicate in there? I was like, so like the same person that, you know, and I'm just throwing these ideas out there. I'm not saying this about anybody, but for the same person that was maybe like sexually abused by their dad. And then the same person that, like I said, that didn't get the shoes that they wanted to on Christmas. Like, um, are they kind of looked at on the same level? And he was like, yeah. He was like, just trauma is trauma. So wow. that same person, you know, that could drive them to to act however, you know. Yeah. But it, only the biggest difference between the kid that couldn't get the shoes and the kid that was that was sexually molested, the biggest difference is, is the person with the shoes can still buy those shoes. Mm-hmm. So they could kind of, I won't say they could reverse the trauma because the trauma is still there. Yeah. But they could somewhat put a Band-Aid on it. You can't put a Band-Aid on yeah, you know, <laughs> of, of being sexually being molested. Like that. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, what I don't want to do is reduce someone's trauma because it's still traumatic to them. Mm-hmm. So two things could be true in that case. Yeah, and that's an you know obviously an over exaggeration for the sake of conversation. A hundred percent. But yeah. you know, so that that could be could be you know it could be a lesser thing or more closer to the the sexual abuse. What I'm just saying is that. Everyone's trauma is different, you know 100%. what I mean? And it can affect you in any sort of way. Can you imagine like, you know, some person that's really old and, you know, they're they're on, on their deathbed and they got their family there with them and they mm-hmm. say, like, do you have anything you wish you could have did, grandma? She'd be like, yeah, I wish I could have been with the black man. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the weirdest thing ever, yeah. man. 
That's somebody's traumatic experience is that they couldn't get no black dick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is completely a, yeah. it's a joke, folks. Yeah. That's but, funny. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. I guess we. But yeah, you know, overall, it's a very, very good, mu- a good movie. Uh, immediately when I seen it or after I seen it, it wasn't immediate. I ain't going front. Um, but later on in the day when I first seen a movie, I hit Eddie and I was like, yo, we got to talk about this movie on the next podcast. So um, it's just, uh, you know, for anybody out there, the listeners, um, if you have any sort of and it's it's not necessarily about your your parents or your, your father or your mother. This could be about any relationship, even a relationship with your brother, your older brother, your, you know, your sister or whatever. Um, this is a movie you can watch and then it, it would make you look at your own relationships with your friends and 100%. your family and stuff. And you could learn a lot about yourself and learn a lot about what you need to do moving forward as far as mending those relationships. hundred percent. And, and Shia LaBeouf said he's, he said he loves his dad. You yeah. Know, and that, that's a good thing. I love my, my father also. Yeah. Me too. We, we talked on the phone uh, mm-hmm. just today, mm-hmm. you know, but the thing about it is, is like, you still realize that, you know, they were doing the best of what they had and they didn't have a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, some, so, yeah, you know, you got to eventually own it. But I think that that's the good thing is that generational curse or whatever it is stops with me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, big facts. Yeah. All right. Switching gears. This is something I really didn't. I really didn't feel the need to talk about, but it's actually become a common occurrence. I've been seeing it a lot. And it's more for attention. I don't know if we talked about this, Keith. This one, but it's about. Um, have you ever been scrolling down uh, social media like Facebook? And I've seen a post recently, but I've seen this many, 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 many times. And it said, like, if you're a married man and you get in my inbox, then I'm going to tell your wife. Have you ever seen that, Keith? Wait, say it again. Basically, it was it's something that I've seen as, as a common occurrence. It'll be like. A chick will post it on Facebook or something. It'll say, um, if you're a married man and you try to get in my inbox, I'm going to tell your wife. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and here's my problem with that. I see this too much. This is the only reason why I thought to, the need to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, like you, you're acting like you're standing on this moral high ground when you're really not. First of all, you're bringing it to Facebook and you're posting about it as like a PSA. You're being messy. You're being messy. Mm-hmm. You're doing it as a PSA to like warn men, like married men, like don't get, <laughs> don't get in my inbox. First of all, do you think that you're the only one that this man has been in their inbox? Yeah. Do you think you're that special? It It's also probably not married men. It's right. just that married man. Right, right. Because if it's Kevin right, Hart, right. I don't know whoever Denzel Washington, whoever right. other married man out there, right? Um, you know, it'd be a different story, right? Not only that, right? You felt the need to go online. And you basically did it for attention. That's mm-hmm. all you did it for. You the, the initial thing was for attention. You never had to go and do that. Secondly, you could just delete or block this motherfucker. Yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. And another thing too is it's a little bit of narcissism involved because you felt the need to warn people as if. You are so such hot shit mm-hmm. that men are going to be in your inbox trying yeah. to get with you. Yeah. And it's weird. I see it too much. The reason why I feel that it's messy overall is based on the fact that you never want to insert yourself in someone else's dysfunctional relationship. Mm-hmm. If you, if a buried man gets in your inbox, delete him or block him and don't tell the woman anything, 
You know how many times I've seen somebody try to be peacemaker or be fucking superwoman and end up getting beat up? <laughs> it's crazy, dude. You, That's funny. You do not insert yourself in other people's problems. You know how many guys I've seen where they're either their girlfriend or it seemed like their wife was a little too friendly with me and it was a little bit awkward or whatever the case. Guess what I did? Nothing. Yeah. I've seen women that were clearly cheating on their husbands and I seen it and I minded my fucking business. That's yeah. for them to figure out. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be like, hey, man, now it's different. If it's a really, really, really close family member or somebody that I really, really care about, then it'll be a little bit different. Yeah. But for the most part, I mind my fucking business. I do not get in the middle of it. Yeah. That's just weird to me, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of ego in there. Um, Yeah, that's that's all I pretty much see out of that situation. And like you said, if if you really wanted to resolve the situation or if you really wanted um, to really address the situation on a personal level, you could have done it. Like 100%. posting that on Facebook does nothing. If you wanted nothing. to communicate with the with the person's wife or whatever, yeah. you should have done that. Like just posting this idea or try yeah. to like sprinkle some uh, some tea on Facebook. It does it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything, and it's so played out. And I see this so many times. Mm-hmm. Like y'all, it's a y'all over here with girlfriends and and wives over here in my inbox, and it's like. Does that make you feel good? I'm also tired of dudes bragging about hitting other dudes' girls. Yeah, shut up. Yeah, yeah, that's corny. I hear rappers doing it too. I just fuck your baby mama yeah. on, on my new couch. If you had sex <laughs> with my girlfriend or whatever, that means my girlfriend was trash and I right. shouldn't have been with her anyway. 100%. 100%. Like that Gambino now, he's like, I'm sorry that I effed your girl, but now you know that she's not the one. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not with that. Yeah, that is corny too. Yeah. That's corny. And I and, and this is speaking from a person that has smashed somebody else's girlfriend. So yeah, like, it sucks. It, it's it's not really nothing to brag about. It's just like it'd be crazy. You'd be smashed. Like, hurry up before my boyfriend comes home. Hurry up. <laughs> 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 yeah, that'd be crazy. Mm-hmm. I wonder if probably some dude smashes a girl. She's like, oh my god, Dennis. My name is James. <laughs> 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 oh, calling you the wrong name. Yeah. If a girl called me the wrong name during sex, I'm not gonna be offended. I'm just gonna keep smashing. <laughs> I'd be like, well, maybe Dennis was giving her some good dick. So I <laughs> guess I'll be dennis <laughs> i think and, and even thinking about it more so like like i said I've, I've had my fair share of talking to girls with boyfriends but yeah to me it to me it's almost immature you know yeah, what i mean it it, that, i mean that if a girl is entertaining you that has a boyfriend like like what does that say about you as a person one thousand percent one thousand percent and a lot of dudes be like cuffing these girls at a if you if you talking to a girl um and she had a boyfriend and all of a sudden she break up with that boyfriend and she and simultaneously she was talking to you like right. she probably would do the same thing to you 100 percent the next dude 100 percent. i, I just I, i'm just getting tired of all this you know all this riffraff man yeah yeah if you got any issues keep it off of there i also seen we talked about this a long time ago too like when you bring issues to social media so it shows how non-genuine it is Situations that could be kept private that go to social media, it's all for uh, it's all for attention. Yeah, I seen a video of this guy, this father that was beating his son, like beating him up. Like he said, "Put the gloves on, punk. Put them on, punk." And he's punching his defenseless son in the face, and his son's like, "Dad, all right, all right." And he beating his son up. Oh, you want to be a big man, huh? Yeah. And he kept beating him. He beating the fuck out of it like his son is like 13, 14 years old. That's crazy. And then and then people in the comments like, "That's right. That's how you discipline them." I'm thinking like that's being a coward. 
Yeah. That's how that his dad gonna end up he's gonna end up blowing his dad's fucking head off. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. You cannot you cannot emasculate someone like that and expect for them to just be your son. Because here's the problem. Anybody, any father that would what the hell is that? Is that an amber alert? Yeah. What does it, it say? Uh, amber alert, gray Mitsubishi eclipse, child abduction. Wow, a child abduction during coronavirus? God damn. You gotta be a sick motherfucker to do that. Yeah. Let me see. Oh my God. Yeah, I, well, I have mine. My phone is on airplane mode, so I don't get any messages. Yeah. But I seen that pop up. What the fuck? Oh my gosh. What happened? If they just have a bunch of. Well, this is the um, CHP. Uh huh. It's an Amber Alert. Oh, it took me to Twitter. That was weird. Wow. The link took me to Twitter. It took you to Amber's account? Yeah. Well, no, it's a, yeah, CHP Alerts. You didn't at get, CHP Alerts. You didn't get the joke. Oh, no. I was. I said it took you to Amber's account. <laughs> what is Amber's account? <laughs> Amber Alert. Oh, uh, I don't get it, but. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 I was fucking around. Street. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, what the heck? Uh, child abduction taken, armed and dangerous. Wow. Dang, two year, two year old Elias Vidal. I, I don't know if the, it's, it looks like it's his son. Oh my god! Uh, it says this Amber Alert has been activated by the CHP on behalf of Kern County Sheriff's Department. Elias Vidal was last seen with his father Javier Vidal on April twelfth, uh, twenty twenty, at approximately. Uh, I don't know how you say it. 20, how do you say that? What? 20, 30, 2030 hours? I don't know how they oh, say it. Oh, it's military time. Yeah, but I don't know how you would say like 2030 though. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I ain't in the military. Uh, it says in Lamont and Kern County, Javier Vidal should be considered armed and dangerous. Damn. So, yeah, I guess he stole his, he stole his son. He had a Mississippi Eclipse. So if y'all out there, you know what I mean? Y'all driving. Look, Look here's, out for Javier. The, here's the good thing that people don't have to worry about. He's in a Mitsubishi Eclipse, so he won't get far. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker's going to break down. What, <laughs> what year is it? Does it say what um, year? 2003. Oh, yeah. That motherfucker's going to break down. Yeah. You're in a 2003 Mitsubishi Eclipse. If you haven't overhauled that engine, that motherfucker's going to break down. That's fine. I see a ton of those on the side of the road, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, but I, I lost what I was talking about. But yeah, <laughs> at the end of the day, keep keep the petty shit off social media, dude. Yeah. We, all, we all know it's for attention. Uh-huh. It's corny, man. It's yeah. really corny. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to give him some, just give him some. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about what people say. I guarantee you wouldn't be posting about the married men that you fucked. Yeah. You wouldn't be talking about that married dick you've been getting. Ah. It's a whole bunch of women get married dick, dude. A whole yeah. bunch. I got some... I got some uh, not close friends because I me, mean, I don't hang out with married married men that fuck uh, chicks, dude. <laughs> I really don't. It's just bad, bad energy. It's bad energy, man. Yeah, it's bad energy. But I've seen it. I had a homie that told me that a girl wouldn't leave him alone. He was like, "I'm married. I'm married, man. You can't be coming around like that." She's like, "No, but I really like you." I'm just like, "What?" Yeah, that's how gr- girls. It's a cold world out here. And this is not gender specific, but right, like, right, right. Know, people don't care if you're married, if you're in a relationship, whatever. Nah. 
If all the ladies listen to this podcast, it's probably fucking a married man. You better be careful. Yeah. You better stop getting that married dick for that wife come and blow your head. Yeah. That that wife going to come and see you one day and and hurt you. That's what happened to uh, old boy at Jay's place. What? What? um, I think the, was it the ex-girl or whatever? Remember the dude at Jay's place, the own Jay's place, he died? I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. I believe he got shot by... um, I don't know if it was a mistress or some, somebody. He got shot by one of the because uh, he was cheating on his wife. Oh, and somebody shot him. I don't know if it was a wife or the mistress or whatever, but yeah, oh, he got man. he got shot. Ain't so. no pussy worth dying, man. Oh no, 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 not no, at all. No. Yeah, I don't know. Depends on how wet it is. I, <laughs> I honestly think if you own Jay's Place, and I don't know how much revenue that company is bringing in, but yeah. it's one of the more popular restaurants in uh, Bakersfield. One hundred percent. If you own that company, do not have, and you want to cheat. Don't have a relationship. Right. That's going to screw you up. Right. If you own it, like, and, and you really want to move out here, just pay whatever female or escort or whatever, fly her out to Bakersfield or whatever, get your rocks off, and then just shoot her back to whatever, Las Vegas or Atlanta or wherever she live at. Because you Man. don't need, that's that's when the drama comes, when 100%. people get attached as far as like a personal relationship. You know, what people don't realize too is, is like, depending on how you're moving, you got to be careful. Like if you're, especially if you're, if everything looks good and you're heading in the right direction, like you can't be dealing with dysfunctional stuff. Yeah. Like if you're a dude that wants to be like on Kevin Hart's level or whatever, you can't be out here cheating. Yeah. You can't, man. Cause it's going to fuck up everything. Not so much your business, not just your image, just everything. You're going to have people that want to make these deals with you and want you to be on certain networks. And then they, that you get caught with your you pants always, down. You always get caught. If Jay-Z got caught, you could get caught. Yeah, they called Jay-Z. He was like, hold on. How you catch me? <laughs> this got caught on the elevator. Yo, I'm an Illuminati. How you catch me? <laughs> <laughs> it's your boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I've got nothing else. Yeah. Where are we at, dude? 145. All right. Well, folks, um, yeah. thank you for listening to the two-year anniversary of this podcast. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time coming. We got a lot more content to bring you guys and a lot more other shit that will be coming. I won't say what that is because I don't want to make a big production about it. Yeah. But yeah. Just do it. Don't talk about it. Yes, sir. If you see Javier and that Mitsubishi Eclipse, call 911. Yeah. Call 911 and then call the CDC. Yeah. Because not only is he kidnapping someone, but he's uh, clearly not keeping his six foot. I'm dead. <laughs> he's not social distancing. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was yeah. funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. my name is Eddie McGee, and I appreciate you. Um, Make sure y'all spend y'all stimulus checks wisely. Right? Yeah. All right. That's well, all I got. That's all I got. Thank you for listening to Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Finks. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>